Today we're uh, continuing a series that uh, we've called I Love Sundays, um, and it's cool because I believe there's a dynamic power that takes place when a group like us studies the same material over a month's time together. Um, it's important. We've been doing small groups along with this. Uh, we've had our first week. If you haven't gotten into one, I encourage you. It's not too late. Uh, talk to me. We'll get you plugged in somewhere. Uh, we've got four different groups going on during the week. But on Sundays, um, really, we want some practical preaching on the reality of, of Sabbath. This is an important thing. It's something uh, God's laid out in, in the scriptures. And in it, we really want to see our lives changing, seeing our Sundays change. So at the end of this experience, I believe that we're going to be saying a simple little phrase, I love Sundays. So would you practice that with me for a second? Can you say, I love Sundays? Cool. If you really like it, you can get a cool t-shirt. So, <laughs> let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you. You've made us, uh, and we're grateful. We're grateful for your design. Lord, we see it in us. We see it all around us. We know that you know what's best and how it's supposed to work out. So we come this morning hoping that you'll speak into us um, in a life-changing way. Lord, that we'd have ears to hear what your Spirit would say. Um, we even thank you, Father, for the next few minutes as we get to uh, just speak into some of these things. Lord, we're listening. So please speak, Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen. All right, if you guys would open in your Bibles to Isaiah 58, verse 13. We'll get to that passage in a few minutes, but you can put a bookmark in there for now until we get there. But I want to purpose that today, that Sunday, was really meant to be the best day of your week. During Jesus' days, the Jews had all sorts of laws about what should take place and what they could not do on the Sabbath. One Sabbath day, Jesus was hanging out with his disciples, and they were debating about the things which applied and which the things didn't. Well, it Jesus really made a show-stopping statement. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that we looked at last week, he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that brings so much clarity and understanding to us. Sometimes I wonder, as you consider this Sabbath, as we look at today, it is something we're called to remember and to observe. But you know out of the Ten Commandments, which one is not commanded in the New Testament? It's the Sabbath. It's not commanded anywhere. We're actually told, let no one judge you in your different days <laughs> and festivals and such. But it is something that we do need to observe that is very important. As we go through this, I'm hoping you guys also see the importance of it. So what Jesus is saying was that all the days of the week, God knew that we would all need a break from everything else. In, do, in doing so, that we would get refreshed, that we would get refooled, refocused. So when God was arranging that rhythm of the world, he designed one day for refueling. Study of uh, Christianity throughout history, um, if you do that well, I think you're going to see whenever people have taken time aside, they've actually purposed to Sabbath, you've seen great blessings that came along with that. They enjoyed life better themselves, their families, work, everything. The problem is, we live in 2017. 
we live like a never-stopping culture. It's 24-7, isn't it? We never have enough time because there's always deadlines and more deadlines after those are done. And we're not um, making enough money to guarantee our happiness. That's what the world's looking for. So they just keep going day after day and even taking one day a week that they should take for a rest to try to work hard that day too just to get ahead even more. It's pressure, 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 pressure. That's what I see with people today. I'm going to do something with you guys. It might seem a little weird, but I want you guys to put your teeth together for a second and go with me, okay? What does that sound like? You guys ever deflate a ear mattress, beach ball, compressor? <laughs> What's happening? Okay, decompressing, right? The pressure is being gone. So let's try it one more time. Okay, you can stop. I don't want you to feel too good that you end up falling asleep and <laughs> catch the rest of the message. But it's good to catch your breath. It's good to decompress. It's good to allow yourself to let your blood pressure go down. It's good to take some time to listen in this morning, just consider this reality. And it's something we don't talk a lot about at church. And we need to. We need to be mindful. That's why we've given place for several weeks to go through the reality of the Sabbath. Now, for a second, I want us to set our clocks back in our country 100 years ago. 200 years ago, 300 years ago, there was a lot less pressure. Nobody worked on Sundays. Businesses were closed that day. There were no kids traveling all-star teams on the weekends, which seems old-fashioned when you think about people really used to take Sundays off. Really? But doesn't something about that old-fashioned life call to us? Like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> I, I kind of wish things were that way. I wish I didn't have to work on a Sunday. I know there's people here this morning, or want to be here this morning, but they have to work today, you know, and they can't get around it. Um, you see, in prior generations, Americans got a lot less done on Sundays, but as a result, they got a lot more done on Mondays. After a day of rest, they attacked the week eagerly, Work was considered a noble thing. Athletes um, that perform, uh, perform at high levels have actually found that same to be true. You work real hard, but then you need to rest. That's how they end up being able to perform the way they do. They give their bodies opportunity, once stressed out, <laughs> to actually relax, to restore themselves, to build themselves up even stronger. And I kind of see that same principle played out when it comes to the Sabbath, to our own souls. We need that too. So imagine this for a minute. What if we took a step backwards in order to actually move forward? But pastor, that's not how things work. That's counterproductive. Let's just keep going. We just move forward. Isn't that our tendency, guys? Isn't that the way we've been taught to think today? Just keep going. Keep working harder. I want to look at a biblical proof with you guys. Way back in the Old Testament, you guys are familiar with the nation of Israel. They were about to enter into the promised land 
For 40 years, what were they doing? They were living in a desert, wandering around without houses, jobs, responsibilities. Why? Because they were getting ready to enter into the promised land where they would occupy homes and they would lead lives, work. God visited their leader, Joshua, and talked to him about his priorities. And he said in his word, okay, that keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's Joshua 1.8. So they took that pretty serious, guys. So God was saying, Joshua, once you and your people settle in, you're going to be very tempted to work, 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 and get ahead. But if you work, 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 <laughs> to get ahead, you won't get ahead, but you're going to fall behind. So Joshua, the secrets in getting ahead is to spend time in this book. Because if you get this book, or get into this book, this book is going to get into you. And if this book gets into you, you will be kind of, become that kind of person that is prosperous, that is successful. And guys, that's really been proven to be true, isn't it? If you guys look throughout history, I think about the 18th century in England, Jonathan and Charles Wesley, the Wesley brothers, they started a movement. It's resulted in over 100,000 weekly Bible studies going on in England, 1798. And for the next 100 years, England became the most prosperous nation in the entire world. Here, 1857, Jeremiah Lantfear started a new time prayer meeting for the Dutch Reformed Church in downtown New York City that sparked uh, Bible reading throughout the country. The movement just spread like crazy. And as a result, the history of America's westward expansion was marked by households huddled around their kitchen tables at night. Mom would do some sewing while the kids played, and Dad would read the Bible to them out loud for an hour or so every single night. So once the Bible reading habit was ingrained in the families, our next hundred years, the United States became the most prosperous on the earth. Boy, how times are changing. Okay, 1957, we outlaw Bibles in our schools. The first books we printed for our public schools were Bibles, but then we take them out in 1957, and you guys can check it out. Crime, divorce, everything has just skyrocketed off the charts since 1957. We're not teaching our children truth. We're not teaching them about their maker any longer. And instead of being the most prosperous, we're the most indebted nation as a result in the entire world. So people today say they're too busy to read the Bible because they have to work more hours to get ahead. But the Bible says that if you read it regularly, you become the sort of person who gets ahead. The same is true with the Sabbath. We think that we can get ahead by working more, but sometimes the best way to be productive is really to take a break, to get refreshed, to refuel. So the concept of the Sabbath and is really what God invented. The way to make your Mondays better is to start with 
Sundays. Now let's talk about rhythm of life for a second. The Bible, okay, God prescribes 52 days a year, right? To stop, to take a break, a part of your health maintenance plan. That's seven and a half weeks of spiritual vacation a year. Doesn't that sound pretty good? Yeah. So he can, you know, he's constructed us to run the best on a rhythm of engagement, of withdrawal or stress, and then release. So this pattern is sewn in the fabric of the universe. Days were made for work. Nights were made for rest. Summers have more daylight to work. <laughs> Winter has less hours of daylight to get rest. So God has made Sundays as a release day. So on Sunday, rest, that rest day is a part of a divinely designed nature. So, let's do it once again. No pressure today. Just release. Wouldn't that be great? Once a week, just to have that. So you guys bookmarked Isaiah 58. Let's take a look there now. God says here in verse 13, if... You turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Isn't that good? I think that's real good. I want you guys to repeat line three after me. If you call the Sabbath a delight, then check out the, fir- or the eighth line here. I will cause you to ride on high hills of the earth. Say that. I will cause you to ride on high hills of the earth. Or I will cause you to ride in triumph. That's what he's saying. If you observe, if you do this Sabbath, <laughs> I'm going to cause you to be triumphant. Okay, this isn't a prosperity message. You guys know me better than that. This is Bible. <laughs> there is something simple, but yet profound in the reality of the Sabbath. Do it, and you're going to be blessed. There's just blessings that come. He knows us. He knows we need it. So I will cause you to ride in triumph triumph is what he's saying. So God's secret for riding in triumph is to call a Sabbath a delight, which means that Sunday ought to be the best day of your week. So how can you make this happen? I'm glad you asked. You know, What would it look like if Sunday were to be your best day of the week? I'm glad you asked. Let's consider that. How do we make Sunday the best day of our week? Well, from here in Isaiah 58, it's pretty clear. And there's really two steps that we need to make Sundays great. The first is to have a conscious decision to honor God's rhythm in our life, right? We see that in Exodus 20, verse 8 last week about keeping the Sabbath, Deuteronomy 5.12. I recently watched a video from a quote from a, a former senator, uh, Joe Lieberman, and Lieberman said this, Sometimes people say to me, In your life you have all these responsibilities. How can you possibly stop one day 
a week to observe the Sabbath? Part of my answer is, how can I not stop? As a practicing Jew, Lieberman understands God's rhythm for life. For Orthodox or conservative Jews, celebrating the Sabbath is the high point of their week. That's it. You see, Sabbath celebration is so sacred in Jewish people that the entire nation of Israel shuts down. <laughs> uh, even their elevators are in an automatic during, you know, setting during the Sabbath day to avoid the slightest amount of work like pushing an elevator button. <laughs> so Israeli elevators are programmed to stop and open on every floor at the beginning of the Sabbath to its end. This might seem extreme to us because we live in a country where everybody just does what they want. We're go, go, go as fast as we can. Uh, but imagine if you lived in a high rise and every Sunday your elevator stopped, doors opened, closed, went, <laughs> stopped, opened on every single floor, whether you wanted it or not. You board an elevator in Israel on the Sabbath and every stop's going to remind you that there is a God who created the world and he wants you to release and to enjoy him. And that would be a great reminder, wouldn't it? You see, Jewish people celebrate the Sabbath on the seventh day, which reminds them that on the seventh day, God rested from all his work, right? Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3. Because the resurrection of Jesus happened on Sunday, Christians adopted the first day of the week as a Sabbath. But the principle is the same. That's the point. Take a day to rest. Build it around God and family. Make the Sabbath the delight. Before I mention that the Sabbath is not commanded in the New Testament, but we're told in many places that Christ is our Sabbath. He is our rest. Even the book of Hebrews, written to who? Jews, right? Hebrews lays out that Sabbath is Christ. He is our rest. And it is so important, guys, because he is the key to us really finding rest, truly be refreshed. And I think it's good. Do you guys know repentance is good? I think that's what Sabbath is for. It's an opportunity not to, well, a lot of things come to mind when we say the word repent, doesn't it? But repent simply means turn to. <laughs> you know, life does get busy. It's good to purpose. Hey, I'm turning to you, Father. I'm worshiping you today, Jesus. It's so important, guys. We should do it every day, but take that special day just to rest in him, just to enjoy him thoroughly. Um. Let's turn to Exodus 20 for a second. Second book in the Bible, we'll turn to chapter 20. This is where Moses gives the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment reads, which we'll pick up in verse 8. Remember, okay? I want you guys to catch that word. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, and the Lord is your God. In it you shall 
do or you shall do no work you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who's within your gates so remember the sabbath isn't that the command remember it so remember is a verb that tells us to do what look back <laughs> remember the sabbath day so the command says that after the sabbath has passed we should think back on it now, I want you guys to turn in your Bibles three books forward to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy 5, we're going to look at verse 12. Moses again gave the Ten Commandments twice. Once as the children of Israel were entering into the wilderness, and then once again... 40 years later when they were leaving the wilderness to enter in to the promised land. So this is the second giving of the law or the Ten Commandments. This time the commandment says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12, sorry. Um, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. So do you guys notice the change in the verb here? observe okay exodus commanded us to remember now in deuteronomy it says to observe which means to what to look forward to so because of these two sabbath verbs jewish people have built their lives around making the sabbath the best day of their week the first days after the sabbath they remember by looking back and then the last days before the Sabbath, they observe looking forward to it. So you all know what it means to look forward to something. You hear about a great movie that's coming out on Friday night, right? And you do what? You look forward to it all week long. I can't wait to go. See. I've been waiting. Because let me tell you what, all the movies that are out right now, they just stink. <laughs> Finally, something I'm interested in. And you look so forward to that or maybe it's one of your favorite teams are up against their arch rival that week and oh boy i can't wait to take that in can't wait to see what happens if they can win you look forward and if the movie was great and if your team won what do you end up doing the rest of the week remembering you're reflecting you're telling your friends you're talking about it with people don't you so remember observe remember observe that's god's rhythm that you really want to dance to so what if this afternoon or tomorrow morning you talk to your family and your friends about what you learned on sunday what if you shared with them about the fun things that you got to do with your family and what if this friday you posted on your facebook page sunday's coming or i can't wait for sunday and you started thinking about what you might experience on Sunday or at church or on the Sabbath there. So there's a phenomenon in psychology that says, act your way into a new way of thinking. Okay? Counselors teach couples who have lost that love and feeling to act like they're in love like they were when they first got together. <laughs> begin again so it works for a lot of people a husband who goes out and buys flowers he finds himself loving his wife more 
because he did something that was loving. If the wife takes some special time, extra time, to make a good meal for her husband, there's feelings that come. That effort was put forth in love, in action, and feelings follow. Isaiah 58.13 says, Call the Sabbath a delight. It tells us to do that. Call it a delight. What if you don't feel like the Sabbath is a delight? Man, this just sounds like more work. You don't know how much I have going on, Pastor. You're saying that God's saying that I should really carve out one of my days. There's so much going on. That doesn't sound like a delight. That's just going to get me behind more. That's how I think. I'll be honest with you guys. I struggle with this. I'm preaching to myself big time. And I've decided to say the Sabbath is a delight. And in that, things, the feelings are beginning to follow in it. You see, if you make a decision to call the Sabbath a delight, you will begin to feel that the Sabbath is a delight. You see, if you step, uh, you know, start making Sunday the best day of your week, if you honor God's rhythm in your life, okay, that could be step one. If you take step two, being a little farther, prepare for Sunday as if it is the highlight of your week, Okay, in Psalm 21, 22, verse 1, we looked at that last week in depth. But you guys remember, King David gets invited to church, and his response was, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Do we rejoice? Do we get excited about church? We should. You see, he was fired up about it because he was going to church, and that was the high point of his week. So how could this happen for you? Guys, when we were in high school, some of you guys can remember that a little easier than others, but if you think back, okay, um, if you asked a girl out on a date, you'd usually take a shower. I hope so, right? You comb your hair, for you guys who had it back then, and you put on some clean clothes, right? What did you do when you asked a girl to prom? Wasn't that a little different than a date? Well, if it was prom, you'd go and buy special flowers. You might rent a tuxedo. You probably washed your car. You made reservations for dinner at a really cool restaurant. Your regular date and your prom date might have even been the same girl. What made one good and the other great was in the preparation you see, this is a practical illustration, guys. Okay? I want you to follow this. Say on a normal weekend, the Smith family. Do we have any Smith families here this morning? Good, because this is an illustration. The Smith <laughs> I didn't want to get a letter. Why were you talking about us, Pastor? <laughs> Say the Smith family goes out and does something fun on Saturday night sleeps until the last minute Sunday morning, rushes out the door, getting ready for church. They're bickering all the way to the parking lot. That never happens to us though, right? Never ever. But fortunately, church parking lots have a miraculous healing effect on most families. 
Nobody wants to look bad at church, so when people turn into the church parking lot, they get calm, like Jesus calmed the sea, right? A pastor once called his church parking lot Miracle Corner. Because as people pulled in, sinners became saints, and chaos became tranquility. And it happens at our church all the time. A carload of competitors become a boatload of bliss. People who couldn't stand each other one minute now stroll into the building arm in arm. Hey, here we go! So, how hard is it to have a great experience at church if you had a miserable experience getting to church? That would be hard. You see, anyone who has ever put on a plastic smile knows how difficult it is to concentrate on something wonderful when you're feeling something awful. One of the greatest things about church is that people regularly walk in a mess and they walk out at peace. Imagine how much better off we would be if we walked into church already at peace. So let's rewind the Smith's family weekend for a minute. What if instead of whooping it up on Saturday night, they changed their whoop night to Friday? What if Mr. and Mrs. Smith developed a plan for preparing for Sunday, like Sunday, mor or Sunday morning was like the prom? If the Smiths have small children, imagine this. It's Saturday morning, Mrs. Smith is asking each member of the family what they want to wear to church tomorrow. Armed with this information, she does laundry to make sure the chosen clothes are ready for the morning. On Saturday evening, Mr. Smith helps get the kids to an early or a normal bedtime. What difference would that make in church experience if every member of the family actually woke up rested? on Sunday morning, and everybody, they wanted to, you know, everything they wanted to wear was already set out, ready to go. You see, if you're the Smiths, and you have teens, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> no, I love teens. I did youth ministry for 13 years, but I've heard from some parents, they just want to kill their kids at some points, because it's an argument about everything. Well, I want to stay out late, mom and dad. It's Saturday night. All my friends are out. They're doing this. Why can't I do this? Well, I think it's probably a good idea to become to a point of a mutual understanding about Sunday mornings then, how things are going to work, what's expected in them. And what if you held a family huddle to talk about how long each member of the family would need the shower, would need to get dressed, to eat breakfast. How cool would it be on a Sunday morning actually to sit down at the table together and eat breakfast together? So, if you're a single parent, you might want to huddle your kids and develop your own family game plan. The U.S. Marines, they have a saying, proper prior planning prevents poor performance. I like that. So plan for church like you would plan for prom. Now, let's replay Sunday morning for a second. This might never happen, but imagine if it did. If it takes your family 15 minutes to get to church, what if you all got in your car and ready to go 25 minutes early to get to church? You get there early. There's no 
speed limit that you have to break to make sure you get there on time. No honking, no bickering. You maybe even sing kumbaya <laughs> on the way to church with your, your You know what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be that. But <laughs> so you get out of your car. You could actually walk in to the parking lot instead of having to, or into the church instead of having to run from the parking lot. And you could have a conversation in the lobby there and touch base with people and still not feel pressured to be here when service begins. I know I would be thrilled. And I think you guys also would probably enjoy that. So like prom versus date, the difference in good Sunday and a great Sunday is preparation. So let me give you guys some suggestions as we close. So how to change the rhythm of your life. First of all, block out the next four Sundays. Just give yourself to it. It might be too much to expect to change your whole life in one sermon. So let's start with this. If you blocked out the next four weeks on your calendar, um, where we aren't going anywhere on Sunday mornings except for church for the next four weeks, if you schedule it into your smartphone just like you'd schedule any other appointment, Hey, this is a priority. This is what we do. Second thing is work out or figure out your plan in advance. Would you guys say advanced plans are good? Absolutely. Sometime this afternoon before the idea wears off, sit down with your family or those that you come to church with and talk about what kind of preparation you want to put in in coming to church next Sunday. Do you want to put your clothes on or out before the night, uh, before church the night before, or set a table um, in the morning that everything's prepared for breakfast, that everybody could eat together? What time do you all want to get here? Okay, what time do you need to go to bed the night before to make sure you're well rested? And what time do you leave for church the next morning? Then make sure you have fun. And how do you want to whoop it up on Friday night? Uh, my son Uriah, some of you guys know him. He's my oldest. He's eight. Um, about six, seven weeks ago, he instituted for the Church of Family uh, Friday Family Fun Nights. We had never done that before, but he has run with this. We all get a little say in what we get to do, and we just, just have been planning our Friday nights. Hey, we're going to take this time. Life is hectic. We're busy, but we're going to make Friday nights a priority for the Church of Family. And it has been cool, guys. It has been fun. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart, some old classic video games. That's always what Finn wants to do that night. We play you know, hide-and-seek with Shalom's huge unicorn-stuffed animal thing. That's been a blast. Uriah likes the arts and crafts. I like to go for walks. And Sunny, I think, is just really enjoying her family, just being purposeful in that. You know, so we're coming up with these things. We're having a lot of fun. And you know what's cool about it, guys? The kids really receive. We really receive. We have a lot of fun. That, hey, we look forward to that day that when Sunday night comes around or Saturday night comes around, our kids know, hey, church is tomorrow morning. Okay, it's not time to have fun tonight. Not that we don't have fun. We still enjoy family. But they know, hey, it's time to go to bed. We had our fun last night. <laughs> Tonight we go to bed because we have church tomorrow morning. And that's a big deal for our family. That's something we take serious. So when we tell them to go to bed a little early, okay, they just do it. 
So observe next Sunday to start looking forward to next um, Sunday. Try posting hashtag Sunday's rock or <laughs> whatever you want to do. Sunday's coming <laughs> on your Facebook page maybe this Friday. And who knows, maybe we'll start some kind of movement. Hey, why are all these Christians so stoked on Sunday? <laughs> you know? So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you again for creating us for rhythm and for rest. Um, we've had a great time this morning, Lord. What a blessing to have uh, Haddon's dedication and the Averill family uh, just be able to join us this morning. God, what a great opportunity just to consider Sundays. God, the importance of church and fellowship and rest. God, and I just thank you, Jesus, that you are our rest. And I do pray that you'd help us to just lay out some priorities and things that would practically help us. Lord, take a day serious during the week just to um, seek you, to worship well, to just relax, to enjoy and find rest in you, Father. Lord, and I just again thank you for this church fellowship. Lord, want to pray too as we're able to break bread together this afternoon with a potluck. God, just thank you for opportunity just to hang out and be together and fellowship. We just pray blessings upon that time. Amen. One closing thought before we head downstairs. I've mentioned a couple times that the Sabbath day hasn't been commanded in the New Testament. We don't find that. Some of you guys, well, why are we talking about this? Well, I hope you're getting why we're talking about this. It's important. But there's something that we find really cool in the creation account. You guys know that God created for six days. You know, morning and evening were the first day. Morning and evening were the second day. Morning and evening were the third day. And you read how God created different things and how he began and how the day came to a close. And on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. I encourage you to go back to Genesis. The seventh day never ended. It never came to a close. There is a rest, guys, that still remains for us. And that is in Christ Jesus that we get to enter into that. But again, guys, that's on us. Some of you have been trying to do it without Christ. You need him. You need to enter into that rest. And you only do that by faith in who he is and all that he's done. And that's for all of us, guys. Because great, maybe we've entered into that, but we went back. <laughs> no, we repent. We turn back. We find, doesn't Jesus give that wonderful um, really a promise. Come to me, all you who are burdened, heavy laden. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. That's what he's talking about. It's him. Because you can put all this Sabbath principle into place, but if Christ isn't the center of it, it ain't going to do much. He needs to be the center. Amen? Amen.